Hey, how's everybody doing here with Berry Flow Upstream number 18? I was going to say happy Sunday. How's everybody's Sunday going? But it's Wednesday. <laughs> we missed out because of the Canadian slash fake American holiday Columbus Day. <laughs> we took a break. Everyone had stuff to do. So we are bringing it together here midweek. Are we going to follow this up on Sunday with another one? I'm, I, hopefully there will be some awesome news or something we can talk about then. <laughs> yeah. If not, we'll make news because we talk for a long time anyways. So. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, man, those hour, hour-long podcasts are always so fun. <laughs> no, but Brandon does have to get out of here a little early. You said you got a, you, you're going to go hockey? You're going to referee? Yeah, I'm refereeing some hockey games, so i got to leave, uh, head over to the arena. Pretty much the most Canadian thing ever, eh? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Especially adding the A at the end. <laughs> oh, man, but uh, no, that's that's cool, man. So we'll, we'll get started here. I want to go back in time a little bit about a week ago and talk about Passport overtaking Economic Times. It was a one-day one deal. They took over the whole front page of this Indian newspaper. It's pretty well established over there. They also had an ad inside a couple pages in that was just a full-page BlackBerry advert showing off the work-wide uh, iconography and things like that. Do you guys happen to see any of those ads, and what were your impressions for it? Yeah, definitely. I, I did get to see it. I, um, I mean, it's cool. You know, it, it, it's cool what you know they done with uh, alongside BlackBerry with the Passport. But um, what I also like though, BlackBerry is they they're really kind of getting a little aggressive for like the traditional advertising. Though we haven't seen like a, a whole lot here in the states, of course, but. There is that presence, you know, overseas in other countries, um, especially in Canada, uh, you know, in, in India as well, um, the UK. Um, but they're they're kind of on the ground. They're running, and I like it that they're they're kind of on the ground. It's like they're they're hands on with people instead of like you know on TVs or doing little ads on the internet. Like they're really hands on with people. So it's just kind of like every day you're walking down the street. Oh, there's that BlackBerry ad again. So it's kind of getting this point across, and and I like it. Right, and it's very focused, as you mentioned. You know, very concise. They're not wasting their time and/or money in places right. where their message doesn't need to be seen. And I think that's, that's wise of them, especially when you look at the budget they're running with. Yeah, yeah. I saw the one ad of the uh, the front page of the Economic Times, and that's one of those ads that you know it automatically brings the brand and increases the mind share of the brand right there when you have it on. No, a reputable newspaper like that. It's right on the front page. You can't miss it. I think that was one of the smarter advertisements I've seen in, in recent from any uh, mobile developer um, recently. So, I mean, props to them on that. Oh, well, Darius mentioned that we haven't really seen too much in the States, and I think that's just because the, the device isn't necessarily being pushed in the States at this time. I think once like AT&T and some other uh, um, telcos start selling it more aggressively, we'll, we'll start seeing some more marketing in the States. <clears throat> I mean, that's what I'd love to see. I mean, when are we really going to see something like that, though? Especially for like AT&T, Verizon seems kind of like a ghost right now on the whole subject. Are we going to see something maybe next year? They're just going to keep quiet? If you, if you look at it from like a strategic perspective... It kind of makes sense that they want to bring 10.3.1 maybe out to all the older devices that are already on the network and then also update and bring a new device with the Passport instead yeah. of having it launch on 10.3 maybe because it's going to be hard for them to get those, okay, we have to get 10.3 approved and then we want to get 10.3.1 approved. Yeah. Just yeah. for time's sake, you know, these, these carriers are super lax on 
there's like four or five month cycles on getting these things out, if not later right. in the U.S. Right. It mm -hmm. is best to give them the best product, you know, to give them your latest product at its best. So, you know, yeah, you, you made a great point with, you know, waiting till probably around the 10.3.1, um, you know, launch. And not only that, it's, it's only going to help, you know, BlackBerry as a whole, not just specifically with one device, but if you launch both the Classic and the Passport side, you know, um, simultaneously, which I hope kind of happens here stateside, um, will be a great deal because it's kind of like, you know, of course, you put the Classic out there, which is for those transitioning um, users, and, and that's what it's directed for. It's for those transitioning users from the legacy OS over to um, BlackBerry 10. Um, and you also give an option, you know, of the passports. Like, do you want to go from intermediate and jump to expert? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like <laughs> the beast. But you know, it's not to you know say anything, you know, about the pa the classic not getting the job done because you know the classic people are gonna look at it as like, okay, you know, yeah, it's, it's launching and doesn't have like top specs, but of course we know that the OS doesn't need, you know, what I'm saying those specs. We we know the OS works on the minimum and still is optimized to give you the most. So um, that's a that's a great thing. It, it, like I said, a, again, a good point that you've made, and um, you know what Brandon said as well. Um, just because mainly why we haven't seen you know the advertisement that they're currently doing in the states is pretty much because it isn't pushed here in the states right now. It isn't over on the carriers. And um, I, I had a question though, Brandon. Like I don't know, I'm not familiar with who are like the CDMA uh, carriers in Canada, but are there CDMA c carriers in Canada that do do carry uh -huh. them? <clears throat> it used to be Telus and Bell, but now they uh, they switched over to GSM. Right. So there aren't any more CDMA carriers in Canada right. anymore. They've all switched over. And that's what I was thinking as well, is because I really think that a lot of these OEMs are looking at not trying to really develop a lot of their phones for the CDMA technology carriers. Um, and I think that's a reason why we possibly may not see it on Verizon. I never say never, and I hope that's not the case because, of course, you know, with the large amount of uh, customers that Verizon has, it would be a huge deal for BlackBerry to launch that device there. But I wouldn't be thoroughly surprised if it doesn't come there. So, um, yeah. and I think that's kind of a way that a lot of, you know, those companies are leaning. They're not really trying to develop those, you know, um, those type of devices with that technology. And it's mainly because I think when people look at it, if you, if you look at it, if I bought a CDMA, you know, network, um, device, so to speak. I can't use it on a load of these other networks if I decide to jump from a carrier from one carrier to another. So they're looking at like, well, cool. Let's give them. You can buy my phone, and hey, you can use it anywhere you want to. So do what you please. And I think that's kind of a reason why a lot of those companies are doing going that way. Yeah, I mean, like during the Toronto event, Chen made it very. Uh, he was very vocal about the fact that they're, they're trying to win back Canada. So yeah. I'm not surprised that you know the U.S. is falling a little bit to the wayside, and um, the the way that the carriers in the U.S. have been treating BlackBerry too, it's just not that surprising overall. Right. Um, and I don't know. I think with the classic, it could possibly come to Verizon, they could just do a double shootout, like, you know, here's a passport and here's a classic, pick your option. Mm -hmm. But if, if, if it's going to be one or the other, they're definitely going to just do the classic, um, and I'm kind of thinking that's what's going to happen, but I'm hoping, you know, the, the passport will be on there, but I guess we'll just see with time. Yeah, I can see the classic being on Verizon and Sprint, like, most definitely. Yeah. It seems like they do so well, because I know both of those have, you know, small business accounts and enterprise accounts, so... Mm -hmm. 
I definitely want to see it. Here's a question I have for you guys, and this is kind of coming from a different place than what we have on our roadmap to actually speak about, but do you think that there's a supply shortage right now with Passport and not a pe not enough people who want them or are able to get them? And do you think this is a, a problem or something that's more strategically planned? What are your thoughts? I'd like to speak to this. <clears throat> the way I view it is kind of like whenever there's like a big, uh, big video game release, right? Online services are always really strained at first because they're not gonna, you know, order like a whole bunch of servers just for one day when after it's gonna have an average, uh, an average usage. So the way I view it is probably BlackBerry. They probably had the factory that could produce a certain amount of devices at a given frequency. And instead of, you know, going overboard and having way too many at the start, they kind of tried to, they're trying to do more of a consistent manufacturing process where they have a consistent quantities of devices being sold through as opposed to stockpiling them at the beginning, storing them and selling them. That's my view on it. But, guys. Um, no, I, I don't think there's... Uh, there's a difference between an actual shortage and just not having enough. To put it in layman's terms, like having enough of it. Like in, in economics, there's scarcity and then there's uh, shortages. Scarcity is like, you know, certain parts and things of that nature. It's just hard to find to de that develop that device to make it. And then a shortage is just not being able to meet the demand for it. And... In terms of a shortage, I just don't think that BlackBerry had put in numbers to say, let's order X amount of these because I don't think they're more surprised that they're actually getting devices bought from the prosumer mm -hmm. opposed to the actual consumer of the enterprise realm. <laughs> and so it kind of threw them off a little bit. I think they're going to meet the demand very soon. It's just, you know, it's only been three weeks. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that there is being this talk of shortages and things of that nature. Like, it's it's not surprising at all. But I don't think it's nothing that BlackBerry is really playing around with. I think they really want to meet these numbers, and it's crazy because as soon as it goes to sale, everybody's like, okay, it's back on sale at shopblackberry.com, and they're on it, and before you know it, in hours, like, I don't even want to say hours. It feel like minutes. <laughs> it's gone. And it's like, while you're clicking, you're like, oh, my God, I'm almost there. And you put in the information. It's like, fuck, you're sold out. You know, and <laughs> it, it sucks. But you know what? It's great that you're seeing it because Brandon had mentioned, I remember in the chat, like, you did 200 cop. I mean, you did 200 devices in just a couple hours in his first day. 200,000. 200,000, sorry. No, but... <laughs> 200,000 in the first day in just a couple hours, like, okay, it's not iPhone numbers, but for a company that's coming back from where it came from, that is pretty damn significant. And it's, it's super significant, yeah. man. I think, if, and I want to bring it back to the carrier conversation we're having, because it all kind of ties together. They have to play against the strategy in these markets, you know? Right. Leverage, obviously, some of the opportunities that are there. Let's look at Amazon's phone, right? Mm -hmm. I go to the carrier store here in Jacksonville. I see four different Amazon phones set up, and no one's buying any of them. There, there are successful ways to do exclusive deals. If BlackBerry can get these devices in store and really work with AT&T to push them, there's a potential that that could work well. I, obviously, people want a Verizon version, right. and that may come. I don't know what kind of like obligations they have toward those carriers to bring the devices, uh, especially following an exclusive with the Verizon Z30. 
So it's like, why why wouldn't Verizon just jump on it? Was that unsuccessful for them? Was that too expensive for them? Yeah, my thing is like, if you think about it, okay, let's say there was a GSM version and a CDMA version. I think those numbers easily would have went from two hundred thousand to like three fifty, possibly four hundred thousand. Like seriously, because I know people that are on Sprint and they want that device bad, but they can't get it because they don't have a network that's com uh, compatible with the device. So. You know, that's just saying it's use on GSM networks. And we'll say a majority of them stateside, let's say that's AT&T. Of course, Canada and other countries that the device is being sold on, of course, they're used on their GSM devices. I mean, on carriers and a majority outside of the states are GSM. I don't really know other than Canada or any North American carriers that are CDMA because anyone else, everyone else like Europe or Asia are GSM. Um, but just to think like the numbers here would be pretty astonishing like just to say if they were a CDMA you know version of the device being sold it would be double I think yeah and I mean on Crackberry last week there was some thread um completely a rumor someone saying that they heard from somebody that they that Blackberry had sold about a million devices and I mean if that's true which I'm not saying it is true. I mean, you take everything with a grain of salt. But if it is true, I mean, if you think about it, the iPhone in its first weekend sold 10 million. If the Passport sold 1 million, I mean, look at that. That's like 10%. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, 10% mm -hmm. of, you know, the iPhone sales right there in its first weekend in the Passport within like a couple of weeks or something. If it did those numbers, that's great. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And right now, there is an unavailability out there. People want these this passport, you know. And it's like BlackBerry almost can't reach all of those hands. I, I'm hoping that they are able to scale um, and kind of get back on the grind. Because how how long does that go on that you have this inconsistency of availability? Maybe a month at tops while you're ironing out the manufacturing side. They got to get that together to really start delivering these devices. Because the passport is awesome. Maybe they're yeah, I mean, maybe they're not trying to kill classic sales, you know? They're trying to have a balance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the significant thing about this is this phone is so different, and if it's selling that well, um, I mean, it. I guess you could say it's like the storm, the whole storm thing again, but it's way different this time because I think this the storm people are like waiting in lines to buy it, mm -hmm. but this like the the hardware and the functionality has really stood up to what you know the claims that they're making. And like, if you check out this phone on Amazon, for instance, uh, pull it up right here. It has a 4.8 out of five star rating, and that's with 102 customer reviews. And when you read these reviews, they're not like a quick sentence, like "Yeah, it's a pretty good device," or "I like this," whatever. They're like essays. People are writing essays <laughs> explaining why the device is so nice. And then people are even going out of their way to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a BlackBerry fanboy, or I'm not like I, I'm coming from a different device, just to let people know that. Um, because there's so many people thinking BlackBerry is, you know, paying people to write these reviews, but yeah. that's just, you know, that's just not how it works. Because like you look at the iPhones and stuff, and they don't necessarily have crazy star reviews, and right. I don't know. Hey, to be it, fair, I know yeah, what yeah, to be fair, whenever I see a review where someone's like, "I'm not a BlackBerry fanboy," or "I'm like, I'm not an Apple fanboy," it's always basically like, "Yeah, you're probably." A fanboy. It's kind of <laughs> like I'm not racist, but and then like someone says something completely racist. It's like that basically for yeah. a review. That's Branded so, and I like every other day. <laughs> yeah. See the so thing. Anyway, 
So I mean, like, you, you gotta take some of these reviews. You, I think I think a lot of the the initial reviews that you see on there with essays and stuff. I think uh, there might be some chunk of them that are, you know, converts or something coming over and trying out the black bears. I still, th but I do think a lot of them are the black bear faithful, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's a good thing that black bear. You know, they just came out with a whole bunch of BlackBerry ten devices last year. The fact that they can they can get all these BlackBerry faithful to go out and purchase a new you know six hundred dollar uh, four hundred fifty to six hundred dollar device because they like the the phone and they like the OS so much is a testament to what they've done over the past year. Yeah, it's it's crazy different. I mean, Z10 sounded brilliant, you know, from our side of the fence. It's like this thing is gonna this thing is gonna rock the boat. And it's just, it didn't even get off the beach, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, uh, when, when we look at the Passport and we look kind of like back at, like, let's look at iPhone's lineage. It's like seven years of evolution. They've just put in these tiny, tiny updates that kind of keep refining on the same thing. And then right. it's like BlackBerry 2014 revolution. It's like a totally different look at the, at the market and the devices. And when we, think, think back to what Torsten Hine says. You know, the tablet's going to be dead within five years. It's more or less... What he's saying that mobile computing will take over, and it's devices like the Passport that make you contemplate maybe perhaps leaving the laptop at home and going all mobile. That are really going to start driving the future of what these devices are going to look like in, in you know toward that direction. Right. And you can only stretch it so far. We're already in tablet range. The markets have converged on those screen resolutions. So what's next? Like where's the innovation going to come? What's funny is because you know they we you know it's been said that they've been working on the design as, in terms of the passport and its functionality for a couple of years now. It's just been like an idea, it's been a concept, and it kind of makes you wonder if if Heinz really kind of based that conclusion of you know tablets upon the passport. Like other OEMs are going to copy this form factor, and you're you're going to go to a wider picture now with form with the phones because. Samsung did set a standard with larger screens, um, excluding the Dell Streak if you want to, but <laughs> they did set a standard in terms of you know like this is where we're gonna go. Like a lot of a lot of uh, OEMs have used these you know kind of they've used different form factors, let's say, and they've been like you know there's the the, the movie with the cowboys and Indians where it's like the first cowboy goes over the hill and the Indians take him out. But someone has to go, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody right. has to break through the wall first. And but you have to stay consistent. So it's kind of like Samsung stayed consistent with the larger size, you know, um, screens and and so on and so forth. And you know, the the Galaxy Note got these terrible reviews, as I mentioned, that the Passport has gotten. And a lot of it is just preconceptions that people put on something, but that they're not used to seeing. And it's natural that. We as humans, we judge things. We see something that is not of the norm. You're like, no, that's not for me. Until you see it and then you feel it and you're like, you know what? This is for me. Like, this is actually doing everything I'm doing. And it's on BlackBerry blogs that a lot of these uh, tech writers have wrote, uh, written their reviews. And they've just said, like, I've already put in my mind that I don't like this device. But I'm mm -hmm. going to try it. And four days in, they're like, I love it. I don't know why someone hasn't thought of this sooner. But not only did BlackBerry do it, but... Damn it, they got it right the very first time. It didn't take them a second or third iteration. They got it right on the first one. So this is just telling you what is the possibilities of what a second or third iteration of the Passport can be. Would it be larger? Would it be thinner? I would like to see something thinner, but, I mean, of course, those are the things you want. But how can you truly take that innovation and make it that much better? Because this isn't just a wider screen. 
It isn't just a larger size frame. You're not just getting a bigger picture. You're getting innovation with the keys and things of that nature. So it's the, the whole device, man, the whole just design ideology that they took behind the device, pulling the stainless steel frame, you know, the, the I-beam, so to speak, out to the outside, having that as part of the whole aesthetic, leaving the entire left side flush, nothing on it at all. There's there's definitely thinking outside of outside of the box. Haha, <laughs> do But I want to move on from reception. Let's talk about Alex Saunders departing from QNX. It's pretty. It's a pretty interesting story overall. And I know Brandon. I'm looking at the clock here, so I want to just get through these so he can be a part of more of that conversation. Uh, Alexander is huge for developer relations, bringing BlackBerry 10 to market. Supposedly one of the fastest growing app catalogs ever in the history of mobile. They scaled it tremendously quickly uh, for their initial launch. I think right now there are about 140,000 applications. Is that about right? Give or take. Oh, more. No, there's more than 100. Yeah. There's applications, way more. Uh, when you take into account Android apps and uh, ports and everything, I, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but last thing we heard, I heard it was over 200,000, and that was like way back in yeah. like October. Okay. That's when they were still actually announcing last that. October. Yeah. yeah. That's so. good. That's good metrics. I mean, that's a pretty decent store. I think, what does Amazon have, about 240,000? It's like just like different types of apps, you know? as opposed to what yeah. BlackBerry has kind of going on. With the split focus now, with Amazon kind of handling consumer side, um, do you think Alexander's in his transition over to QNX for Project Ion, did you think this was a short-term thing, or were you guys expecting it to be more of a long-term commitment and engagement from him? You know, I, I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, okay, who just who just got sent out um, recently, somewhat recently, that we were kind of surprised too? He's always on Adam, stage. Adam Stanley, right? No, the, he, he was like the thumb model, whatever, on oh, stage. Oh, Vivek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, so we kind of noticed that slowly we heard less and less about him. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, Vivek's gone now. And it's like, well, not totally surprising, because they kind of, like, slowly phased him, like, away. And then the same thing with, like, Alec. He was on stage. Obviously, he had a different role. Like, he was the, the app developer, um, app re or dev relations. And then... It wasn't totally surprising to see him like slowly, you know, be out of the limelight. And now it's like, oh, he's gone. Um, I wasn't really expecting, you know, him to be around for too long. Did did they say that he left on his own accord, just like everything else? Or it, it was it was vague. Up for debate. Yeah, yeah, it was up for debate. It's up for debate. I mean, if we look at his his background, he's a he's a startup guy. He's done a couple startups. He's done the initiating project with QNX way back in the day. He worked for them again, then moved to BlackBerry Dev Relations, and then back to QNX for Project Ion, a small team of about eight individuals. To I think, in my opinion here, to kind of seed the Internet of Things platform for BlackBerry, create it. It's almost like BBM right now, the hardware division even, and as well QNX and some of those patents. They're kind of forming them into little smaller business units. You can imagine them as, as like independent startups within the company, making sure each one of those is successful on its own to contribute to the whole of what BlackBerry is trying to do. Also, if you look at it from a long-term view, it makes the organization more containerized so that they have a potential to sell off business units more easily than they did before when everything was entrenched. So just yeah. uh, interesting prospects. I don't know, Chen, five years out, he's like, well, if, if I have a good deal and my shareholders make money, you know, yeah. there's always a potential. Alex Saunders, I mean, he was always good to me as a developer when they had that big native app push when he was the head of uh, app development. So I have no... I, I like the guy. He was good to me. 
good to a lot of native developers. And I guess when they took this turn, um, focusing more on Android, that's when he moved over to uh, Project Ion. I don't know, from my perspective, I thought he was going to be there for a bit because um, he had had some pretty good success in app development and getting people on board to start building apps. I mean, it's never easy to get a lot of people to start building apps for a platform. And mm -hmm. I thought he was going to, you know, bring that skill over to Project Ion to, you know, attract companies and attract uh, people to use Project Ion for and stuff like that. But, um, I mean... Uh, he's obviously, you know, he thought it was time, I guess, to, if he left on his own accord, and it was time to leave, and, you know, no hard feelings. He's uh, he's done a good job for BlackBerry. He's stood by them, and uh, we wish him all the best going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And in his in his little goodbye uh, post that he did on his website, he also mentioned about a 1,000 companies that actually signed up with interest to participate in the platform, so... I don't know if that's a small number. I don't know if that's a big number in the scope of what they're trying to achieve. But we'll see if the strategy hasn't changed. Maybe the you know internet of, pretty, internet of Things for them is is something that they're seeing for a longer term game. You know, that's a that's a pretty big number because wasn't the uh, the BES uh, like for the enterprise servers? Don't they have like ten thousand enterprise companies on uh, on BES servers or something like that? Yeah, probably, probably they're about more with the Easy Pass migration. So. Maybe a bit more, but even still, having a thousand, you know, p companies interested in Project Ion, then and, and you know you've got upwards of ten thousand enterprise customers on uh, enterprise servers. That's not a good, that's not a bad uh, ratio to have there. And we'll see where it grows. I expect December following Classic, following Bez twelve, we're, we may hear something in regard to a bigger enterprise play that they may have in store. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. You touched, Brandon, on the medical webinar. How was that? What are some of the key topic points that were interesting to you? Some of the key topic points was they were just stressing the importance for uh, security in the medical field, especially in light of all the uh, recent incidents that occurred. Um, just today, even, if you, if you read the news, South Korea, they have... A personal ID that they give to every citizen, and apparently someone hacked that. So now they're going to have to spend like billions to redo this whole system for the whole com for the whole country, and they're going to have to re remodel and everything, use a new system because it got hacked. So I mean, security and medical is is very important. They were talking about how the QNS QNX platform can kind of um, improve the security in terms of, you know, separating the different aspects of what you do in the OS into different silos so that whatever happens in one silo doesn't need to have root access to the entire thing. It just needs root access to its little own silo. And when one silo is compromised, the, uh, the damage that a compromised silo can really do doesn't really have that big of, uh, of a range just because it's so containerized like that. So they were stressing that, and they were also stressing some of the advantages that um, connected uh, medical devices could have, such as a doctor could go see you, look, look you, look like check up on you, and then send you home with a connected device to kind of keep track in real time with your, you know, for instance, your heartbeat or something like that to to check for anomalies anomalies while you're home and freeing up a bed at the hospital or, or whatnot so that 
you know, it's making the most efficient use of medical facilities and services, which I thought was interesting because a lot of times when you think of medical devices and medical facilities, you think of them as somewhere you go to. You don't really think of the medical realm as coming home with you where you can actually get monitored at home <laughs> with a doctor who might be, you know, 100 kilometers away or something like that, which I thought was interesting. They said some of the difficult aspects of connected devices, though, is actually having them connected nonstop um, mm -hmm. with, the, with the main data. So that, for instance, if, if a doctor's trying to look for abnormalities in a heart rate or something, they need some pretty accurate information. Because if, if the data is taking, taking a snapshot at certain intervals and it's not very accurate, that means the data is not going to be very good for, for making a diagnosis. So a lot of the difficulties that current connected devices are having is that their, their intervals that they, that they update at aren't, aren't quite up to the standards that the medical um, industry would like. And QNX was talking about how they can improve on that with some of their infrastructure and whatnot, including with the POS. Uh, so I thought it was pretty interesting. I think it's... Uh, it's got a lot of promise going forward. They, they, they've been in the medical field for a while now. And if in talking about connected devices, I even mentioned this in my article, they have self-updating uh, vehicles where the car manufacturers can actually do diagnostic tests and update the, the, the car operating system remotely. So they can just so they, they have a lot of synergies that can work between their different fields that they're working on and incorporate them into the medical field. It definitely sounds like they've got a lot of vertical market that they can tap into and hopefully yeah. hopefully monetize, you know, bring some of their services across with. Uh, I want to transition because it kind of, again, is working toward a vertical aspect, a lot like medical is for BlackBerry and QNX. Let's talk about BBM. Let's talk about some of the enterprise service uh, evolutions that we've seen from them uh, with the Movertu purchase, obviously SecuSmart as well. And you see them kind of taking BBM and leveraging it as an animal into enterprise. When we kind of look at this, you had mentioned, Brandon, that it almost needs its own kind of branding. So we have this eBBM, BBM protected, which is an enterprise thing. And then we have regular BBM, which also works while you're on a BBM protected. So it's kind of confusing for, for people, and perhaps in the enterprise as a suite of applications, it doesn't make a lot of sense. We also have BBM meeting coming as well. So Brandon... Uh, br bring up just a little bit about what you wanted to speak on in regard to maybe a BBM Pro. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it gets confusing when you talk to the average Joe who's who's reading up about BBM and all these advances that they're doing and, and, and adding on to the BBM platform. And it kind of gets confusing when you see you've got the consumer BBM, and then every now and then they add, you know, BBM protected, eBBM. you got BBM meetings, and it's just kind of like... To the consumer mindset, it's like, oh, that stuff seems cool, but why? Why is it being? Why is it being kind of? It's being grouped under eBBM to to an extent, but to an average Joe consumer, it kind of looks like it might be a service that they might be able to access, but it really isn't something they can access. So maybe just containerizing the two different streams of BBM as kind of like a, a BBM Pro or a BBM Consumer um, silo. So that it's really easy to distinguish to because in, re in reality, if if you have BBM the consumer grade and you don't have 
an enterprise server with BlackBerry, you can't actually use BBM protected. You can't use some of the other BBM features, even though it's still technically BBM. And and even in the scope of those silos that you'd mentioned, they have BBM meetings, which exactly they, they want to leverage into enterprise. You know, by sometime this year, hopefully, and then maybe into the consumer side in 2015. So they do need some kind of delineation as to what is what, especially for the consumers who are like, oh, I'd love BBM protected, oh, I'd love BBM meetings, and it may not exactly be something that's immediately accessible for them. Mm -hmm. so I definitely think some rebranding there, maybe tweaking kind of the layout of the BBM uh, assets could actually yeah. help them a lot and help the consumer kind of engage with BBM more. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see anything about Skype's uh, new video messaging quick revival quick? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I shared something into the group that I thought would be awesome for BBM. It, they have the ability to delete sent messages before they're actually read, which is really awesome. I, that's something I'd love inside of BBM. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that works with the security aspect, but uh, I definitely would like to see that inside BBM. Anyway, did you guys have any other thoughts in regards to BBM meetings or BBM branding for enterprise? I had a really quick question. Um, sure. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, cool. Uh, so BBM meetings apparently, well, to me, it's going to have voice and video conferencing, but is that, how is that any different from, I guess, BBM video, and is it just going to be kind of like for more people? Right. Like, larger so, like yeah, it's, it's more like what we're doing now, you know? It's, but something you could do mobile. So instead of a Hangout, you can just go over and do a BBM meeting. So it's video and voice conferencing. And kind of with the, the, lay, the layout of what they kind of wanted to do with the Passport device, with the natural sound and the, the great speakerphone, they wanted to be able to use this device in conference room type settings. So imagine your Passport in the middle of the office table and everyone else calling in and the conference is being shared just through the device. With the Movertu purchase, which again gives you the virtual SIM card, and as well SecuSmart, which is going to secure that call, maybe at multiple sure. levels with BBM and their entire infrastructure. I mean, it's looking to be a pretty steep uh, obligation for them to bring about, and they seem pretty concise on the rollout and how they want to bring it to market. It seems that they're they're pretty diehard on it. It's just cool to see them kind of going with these cross-platform initiatives where we're bringing it to market across all devices, like Blend, all at the same time. Well, I have one more question regarding, uh, I guess, not necessarily about BBM meetings, but about BBM in general, was what what is, I was reading uh, the, the article along Barry Flow about BBM meetings, let me bring it up really quick. Uh, it was something in the comments kind of caught my eye. It was um, regarding how BlackBerry pushes out uh, sort of the different updates for iOS, Windows Phone, and Android versions of BBM. Um, regarding, like, you know, BBM video and stuff like that. And I was wondering, does BlackBerry really hold any sort of priority, really? Or are they going to focus some of the more BBMs, more interesting kind of aspects, like, you know, video and such, and just kind of keep it for BB10 users? Because I don't think they would do that, because it obviously doesn't make sense from a consumer standpoint. But do you think that they've kind of put some more interesting features on the back burner? I think I think it's just been a total shift of focus for them. Torsten Hines, Z10, leading BB10's entry into the market with the Z10, an all-touch device, mm -hmm. going hard on apps as hard as they could, really, going around the world, really trying to bring these apps to the platform. I think Hines was all about bringing Z10 and BlackBerry 10 
back into the consumer light to really try to find that success back at the consumer market. Obviously, we know how that's fared for them. I think it's Chen kind of pulling in the reins. It's like the consumers are not with us right now, but if we can win back the enterprise, that top 30%, the consumers will follow. So I really just think it's a change of focus. Obviously, with BBM video, this is something we had back on Playbook, and actually our BlackBerry 10 devices can video call and chat over to a Playbook. It's the same kind of infrastructure. It's a matter of building that securely for these other platforms. They can't compromise on the security, so it may take a little bit longer and maybe as well be lower on the priority list for them. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I've been, I don't know, because I, I do still use BBM on my, uh, my iPad, and I realize just how much I'm missing, like the little things, that when I switch back to my Z10, which isn't bad, but it's just... Like, oh, you're not as nice as my Z10 sometimes. But you'll get blend soon, and you'll be oh. able to have that one BlackBerry ID across. So it'll it'll be different. And you wonder, like, why isn't there a BBM for desktop? Well, because they want you to buy a BlackBerry device. I thought that's yeah. what Blends was for, really, to kind of bring the right. BBM experience to the desktop. And right now, it doesn't seem that as if an Apple or Android user with their BlackBerry ID can log in and utilize Blend. Maybe that's something down the line that they'd like to see. But right now, it doesn't seem like it's built for that kind of thing. Mm. That pizza in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have the BlackBerry Classic approaching shortly. It seems like it'll be coming here within the next month or two, at least some kind of official announcement. Are you guys gung-ho on Passport right now? Classic has no interest? Or are you still interested to see what the device has to offer, even though we more or less know it's a repackaged Q10 with a bigger battery? I just want to see some of the, the trackpad kind of functionality to be retrofitted into the Passport touch-sensitive right. keyboard. That's, right. that's what I'm excited about the, the Classic for. But I, you know, I'm excited that BlackBerry is going to sell it and get more people on BB10. That's mm -hmm. kind of... It's a given, especially getting them off the legacy, which is just not getting the support it needs these days. Actually, it's it's a... No, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. I was just going to say, the, the Classic, we can... We can basically view it like a Q10 refresh, like a, a Q10s, if you will. That's, <laughs> how, that's how I'm viewing it, yeah. <laughs> I have oh, really funny... Sorry, <laughs> no, I was just saying, I hope they don't use that name. There <laughs> 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 was something funny that brought up today. It was that uh, Motorola and Google announced and unveiled the Nexus 6 today. And what really kind of stood out to me was its price of $650 off contract, considering how before Nexus devices were always like, you know, $350, maybe $400 on the really high end. And I was thinking over to what BlackBerry could do with the um, with the Classic was that the Bold currently stands, what, like $400 right now? Yep. And I was thinking that maybe BlackBerry could bring on, could apply that price to the the Classic, which seems actually really likely considering the off-contract price for the Passport's 600 I think that's why they didn't go hard on the specs. They were like, we're going to do a modest bump, we're going to make sure everything's you know buttery smooth on it, it's got a solid battery, and just run with it. They probably just repurposed whatever battery they used for the Z3. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, but still, but what, what, you, what the Classic could still do is it would be absolutely huge in that, like in that price range, I think. It would be I, think, I think they'll price it comparably to the 9900, so like 400. Well, that could work. It's low, but it's not, you know, throwing money away, you know what I'm saying? No, not bottom barrel. Right. Um, I'm interested on the Classic myself. 
Alex had mentioned wanting some of that trackpad functionality on the Passport. I agree. I think that'd be awesome. You know, let me double tap when I'm not in a text menu and then have a cursor, have a, a touch field that I can move around. Uh, I think that'd be fantastic. As well, though, from what we've seen of the Classic, have we actually seen that they're able to navigate like in applications with the trackpad? I've only seen OS navigation and then general things within apps. So I'm saying on a, on a bold 9900, when you're in the browser, you also had a cursor on screen that you can move around and touch pretty much any target point. Yeah. Do we, do we have that on the classic? I haven't seen any inter-app, you know, usability from yeah. that regard. Just basic kind of navigation. You know what I've always thought of, like since they've announced the classic and we started seeing the device, is I've always. Me personally, I've looked at the trackpad as like a, um, what, what do you call it? Like a comfort, a comfort type of button, if you will. It's kind of like with a baby. It's like they don't care about a damn teddy bear. It's just like it's comfort to them. So for people to know that I'm okay because my trackpad is there, it's comfort for them. At the end of the day, you truly don't need it, especially when the entire screen is touch. And for me personally, I just don't. I don't really see the big room for a trackpad with BlackBerry 10. It's just like the OS is so far ahead of the use of a trackpad. It's not built for it. It's not. It's not, not for that type of trackpad. Like the use of the trackpad with the Passport, of, yes, it, it's definitely what you want. But you can incorporate that on the Classic and take away the trackpad button take a, and add more real estate for the screen. And you have a hell of a device, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's it's just uh it's a smaller version of the passport, if you will. But it's just I, I just feel like the trackpad is just it's comfort for those that are transitioning. And that's essentially yeah, what I hope it doesn't stick around for a long time. I really hope that there's maybe the classic, classic two, and get it the fuck out of here. Yeah, no, it's like it's like, <laughs> like a no I like the device, but I just yeah. I don't want it around forever. It'll be like a transition from that to the Passport. So it's almost like they're trying to teach you how to use the new Passport keyboard, the touch-sensitive keyboard, right. um, in a more friendly way that you're used to. And then once you're like, okay, I got this, I understand BB10, then it's like, here's a Passport. And they're like, oh, cool, I can still do all the same stuff that I was doing, um, but without uh, a, a trackpad now. So, yeah, I think it'll get to that point. I think it's kind of BlackBerry addressing their con people's concerns with the key 10 I mean... It's it's also kind of like what Apple did with, you know, with building the six plus. They made a bigger phone for people who wanted it. It's kind of like with BlackBerry building, you know, a, a repurposed Q10 with a bigger battery, better specs, with a trackpad. It's just for people who did want it. It's like what what you said. Uh, uh, it's about. It's really just kind of about bringing in people into the fold. You know, coming in from like you know old legacy devices to the to in the next generation, but at the same time, having some sort of familiarity to the device, you know, with the trackpad and the you know the physical tool belt. No, they just need to get passports, like for real, though. <laughs> <laughs> Passport is like the first quad core BlackBerry, like that alone. Hey. BlackBerry Ten, it just sounds so nice. Like I'm so ready for Ten dot three dot one. You know, no, go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. No, there's a few things that that. Because I'm trying to think, um, you know, the classic, for instance, my stepdad, he did like on the Bold 9930 that he could, say, for instance, be in the car, not look at his phone, and click the, the call icon or whatever, whereas, 
like when you're dealing with a full touch device or even like this, there's no physical button for call. And if there are business people who are always using that call button, having a dedicated phone button could actually be useful. But then there's the replacement where, hey, with BlackBerry 10, you're going to be able to be um, holding down any quick shortcut button. Like you could have P launch the phone app, right? You could just hold down P and it'll launch the phone app. Isn't that what's coming with 10.3.1? Yep, smart keys. So, yeah, so once smart keys get developed, I don't see a point at that point to have these physical buttons anymore. Or, uh, yeah, the physical buttons for, like, calling on or whatever. Um, I think BlackBerry 10 just needs to get to that level, and then there probably won't really be a use for uh, the classic. But right. we're thinking maybe, you know, four years from now, you know, two generations of it sounds about right. Yeah. Maybe two I, years. I love the Passport. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> How do you, I like, you know, it's so weird to go back to a square screen after having, like, a 16 by 9 slab in your hands for so so long. I went Z10. I messed around with the Q10 for like a week. I wasn't about it. I have a Dev Alpha C. I never really did anything with like daily usage-wise. Went to Z30. So I'm all about the screen, and now I pick up my Z30 after using Passport, and it's just, it feels so narrow. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what is this? Work-wide. I used so my hand roll, and it was like, my Z10 was like so minute in my hand. I was like, are you serious? Like Right. <laughs> I was like, I can use this in one hand, and it's, it's almost like you don't want to. <laughs> you want to use both your hands because it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's funny because when the passport is in my hand, I'm, I honestly, like, the more you use it, you really find yourself starting using one hand with the device, and it's not that bad as you think. You stretch a bit, but it just becomes habit over time. But truthfully, you know, using both hands, you, the terms of your product, your product, productivity, excuse me. <laughs> Not necessarily in terms of cranking out emails or messaging, things of that nature, but just doing whatever you're doing, you do it so much faster. It's just, I don't, (laughs) the device itself, I just remember a month ago, I was just yearning for this device, and now I'm having it, man. It's just every day is just a good day, you know, because I have a passport, and it's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> that should be a quote on the box. Yeah, every day is a good day. Look, I have a passport, and it's awesome. I only ten percent of all the earnings you guys get from that. It's it's not that it's not that wide either. You know, you put no, it in thirty. It's like it's like not even a quarter thicker. You know, yeah, it's, it's really not that big, but it's big enough to make a difference. I pull. I've had so many weird just. I have it in my 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 coat pocket up front, and and someone says, "Is that your calculator?" I'm like, "Yeah." I pull it out and I launch the the calculator app. I'm like, yep, my <laughs> and it's it's mapped to the keyboard and everything, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I I pull it out to take a note, and someone's like, "Is that a phone?" <laughs> you know how many, how many? What the fuck is that? I get every single day, like at least three of those a day. Are you serious? It's a BlackBerry. I didn't know they were still making phones. Like Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Like, I, obviously, the only thing in your world that exists is an iPhone, and <laughs> it's not even, like, a, a Galaxy or HTC One. It's just an Android phone. All I know is Android phone or iPhone. Okay, you're, you're clearly out of the box, but okay. <laughs> What's really good is that, like, oh, good out. No, I, uh, working off that, like, I don't totally mind that, um, I, you know, I miss the days of when people saw my BlackBerry, they're like, oh, you know, you're a business person, whatever. And I like that. I didn't mind that everyone didn't have BlackBerry. I kind of like being different that I had a BlackBerry, and they're like, oh, you must like, you know, business and care about communication and stuff. Yeah. I was fine with that. So 
hopefully that comes back. I wouldn't complain. I love it. I, I love yeah. the attention that, that I get from the device. Because, you know what? I get what the fuck is that. And then they were like, let me see it. And they used to use it. And they were like, oh, this is it's not bad. This is shit is nice. And they'll be like, this is nice. Damn, that screen's this is clear as shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's it. You you see how nice of a phone it is now, right? Okay. I I love it, man. I have my screen on like twenty five percent brightness, right? And yeah. everyone's like, everyone's like, oh my god, that screen is insane. I'm like, yo, turn it up, <laughs> turn it all the way up, and they're like, I'm done. <laughs> just what's walk away. What's super like like cool is what I've noticed about reviews about the Passport always, like always praise its like form factor. I I I worried about this like because I I said a few weeks ago about you know the LG. Optimus View or whatever it was called, being at that square form factor and it being weird, but like everyone said, like that square, like the square screen really did allow you to work, like I guess quote work wider, and it looked so good. And and like most reviews I have read on the Passport, with the exception of the Verge, was all in praise of the device. They're like, this is a really legitimate both smartphone contender, you know, for 2014. But at the same time, it's a legitimate business class device. I mean, if I had to say, like, like a consistent positive thing I have heard, too, it's just that I really... I, what am I saying? Sorry. I really think that this, like, the Passport is really kind of this new changing point for BlackBerry, both, you know, in the kind of ways that they develop devices physically and internally. I think that, like, when we get the Visa at some point, whenever that one row keyboard thing comes out, or whatever the hinge mechanism is going to work with it, it's going to it's gonna really... You're going to see start seeing BlackBerry develop devices in whole different form factors from, like, you know, what the Z10 was, or what the iPhone 5S or the the six plus or whatever it was, and, and it's, it's gonna it's gonna invoke the competition also to start exploring, you know, and doing different things. It's 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 innovation. It's it's escalation. You know, the market needs to continue moving forward. So I'm excited to see you know what else can come from BlackBerry in that regard. I want to talk and and say congratulations to South Africa. It looks like they'll be getting the passport come the start of November, so that's pretty positive as well. Chen has mentioned 30 markets by the end of the year, and they've consistently been bringing the device out, keeping it in you know different markets as it continues to grow. So that's positive. Do you guys think that the momentum is going to stay up kind of around the board for this, or do you think it's going to fizzle out shortly? I think it's going to have a much, I think it has much more staying power because of how they've controlled the availability thus far. Yeah, I think because and and I think. With the availability, you know, it being sold out, things of the nature, it's almost it's almost like a form of advertising because it's being spoken on. People anticipate it, they can't get it, and they're like, okay, what is there? What is this, you know, clamor about? What is everybody trying to get? So when you hear that, especially in countries like South Africa, where it's a uh, where BlackBerry is a brand that is highly influenced there, um, it's only going to help it, you know, in the long run in terms of you know pushing the device more and doing pretty decent numbers for that specific region. So I'm pretty anxious to see how it's going to do there. Um, I know South Africa has definitely been a huge support of BlackBerry in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, in terms of the market share that BlackBerry has there, it's still pretty significant. So um, it, everything is just, you know, pretty much, I think, coming full full circle for the launch that's going to happen there. 
<laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> Early November, man. I'm excited to hear something about the classic. <laughs> That's really what I'm really focused on. Um, let's, let's close it here. I just actually tossed out an article uh, after we got started here. A tale of two Twitter clients, kind of juxtaposing a little bit of Twitly and a little bit of Black. You know, looking at the two applications, I don't know if any of you guys have played with them. I know Matthew, in a post we will get out to the site eventually. It will happen. Um, you did mention that you liked Twitly a lot and what it kind of had to offer. Um, oh, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I was uh, just comparing essentially the two applications and kind of how I liked and disliked you know, different parts of both. Have you guys had any experience with either of the applications, Black or Twitly? And are, are you, which one do you lean toward when using Twitter, or, or do you stick with the stock uh, Twitter for BlackBerry application? I'm a native Twitter user. Uh, I I like Black. I do like Black. There are some things that I am. Uh, I feel like kind of Black is lacking. I think it's just more in its functionality. It's it's kind of uh, features are. I don't want to say they're overwhelming. They're more underwhelming for me personally. That's just my personal opinion. I, a lot of friends that I um, know that are BlackBerry users love it. They absolutely love the app. But me personally, I just think that the native Twitter client, I mean, the native Twitter app for BlackBerry 10 is just, it's a great app. It, it really is a good one. They're pretty well in terms, uh, they stay up with the updates um, for BlackBerry 10 devices and um, implementing, you know, any feature that you know, Twitter does bring to the table in terms of its desktop content, it brings it to the mobile app as well. Um, Twitly I've used, but it's almost like an overwhelming um, yeah. And not only is it overwhelming, the features that you really want, of course, you have to pay for it. So um, <laughs> Chad had made a good point early in the group. Why not just make it a paid app? Because I think people would truly pay for the app, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, because it's not a bad app, but I think if you can kind of minimize it, in terms of the features and really just put everything there, make it uh, not necessarily like, oh my God, what do I do first? But there's there's so much going on in that yeah, app. It is. Like like if you go to the, uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. It's you know I like the app. I love the developers. I got nothing bad to say about it, but there's just it seems like this app was built, and then it got to the scope of what Twitter does, and they're like, how can we do more? You know. <laughs> right. If you go to the action drawer, okay, here at the bottom, there's Snap to Chat, there's Voice Notes, BBM Channels, LinkedIn, SMS, BBM. And if I tap BBM, all it does is invoke the BBM card. So then I can start a conversation with Darkel, and I can just have a conversation within Twitly. But it's like, why would I... Why would you want to do that? It's kind of like when you're kids and you 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 guys start building stuff. And it's like, all right, let's make it do this and do this. Well, what if we could do this? And what if we could do that? And yeah, yeah, man, let's add this and let's do this. And you get all that stuff, and it's kind of like, you know what? That's why we have updates. Because you right. want to wait, you want you want to anticipate that thing you've been yearning to have, <laughs> and you get it all up front, and it's almost like, oh shit. Okay, well, let's hold off. Let me catch up for it because it's gonna take a year for me to catch up to it and actually get an update for it. Um, yeah, that's. It's a work in progress. We'll say that. Well, for trust me, for as complicated as Twitly is, I love that sort of form of function and integration. It is that is actually probably why it is what I would consider the best Twitter client I've ever used, with the exception of Hootsuite on iPad. And that it's it's basically perfect. <laughs> Have you used Black at all, Matthew? Uh, no, sadly not. <laughs> 
I, and that's, I, the difference, I, that's, that's the difference between a paid app and a free app. So I think the freemium model is a little bit weird for an app like like Twitly, but it could do well for them. And it's a, in the in-app purchase comes in at a dollar under what Black costs anyway. True. There's cool stuff. There's like you can translate tweets with an inbuilt uh, translator, which is fantastic. I mean, if you see a tweet from a different language, um, they've got the Facebook emojis and things like that inside there. Um, Black seems to have a new emoji picker as well with a bunch more options that work as the Unicode standard across devices. Um, Twitly does merge timelines, so if you have multiple accounts, you can dump all of those uh, tweets and, and things like that into one timeline so you don't have to go back and forth to see the two. Again, it does a lot of different things. I just wish it was a little bit more focused and, and refined, and hopefully it'll get there and you know they can continue working on the application to support it uh, long term for their users. But uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to touch on? I think we've caught up thus far. We're midweek right now. I'm sure we're going to hear some other goodies toward the latter end of this week, if not next week. I'm just curious about because I didn't say anything. But I use, I personally use Black, and then I was wondering for those of you who use Black, uh, do you actually like use the retweeting and reply by? Clicking and like pulling to the to the left yes. to do that. Yes. Because it's addictive for me, man. Okay. Think. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, I did initially, but then I started using like other clients, and now I'm back at black, and now I stopped using that because I kind of forgot it even like exists. Mm -hmm. And um, like they're they're definitely. I think black is nice because they do it their own way. It's not just the same form and function that everything else does. Like he decides to get creative with it and. I just right. like how it looks, honestly. See, I just I'll, like the dark theme and the colors, and I will love it. It's it's just a classy app. It's simple. It's not overbearing. Everything's yeah. off to that one side menu that's very elegantly and uniquely integrated into the OS. You can even pull it over more to get context as to what each little color is. Uh, I love the little quick interaction. If you want to retweet or reply or even set a schedule or, or mute on something, just pull it, drag it, release it. I love that system, and because I've used it so readily, when I go to these other clients, I just I feel like I, I'm slowed down by it, like it's an obstacle. Yeah. For me, for me, Twitly is great. It's like I, I, I tweeted this out that the Cascades version of, uh, you know, like the Android version, excuse me, of Twitter and Cascades had a baby, and Twitly was born. You know, it taps into all the Cascades goodness, but it more or less looks and functions like the Android application. So. I'm definitely interested to see what ne what else Nemery can do. He's got built-in wallpapers in the store there, so you can actually purchase different wallpapers to put as a background in app. So he's definitely got a lot of venues to make it successful for him. I just really hope he has that long-term support for those users who are going to be you know purchasing that in-app upgrade. Yeah, I, I really can't wait for the update for Black. Like I I'm really looking forward to it because I really like Black, but it's just I don't know. It's just a lot of things. Just kind of just weighing me away from it and um, especially like as in right now being a, a passport user and it doesn't have uh, passport support uh, it doesn't support the passport I should say um, I'm really very and very anxious to see what the update is going to be about and um, how everything is going to turn out to be and I, I'm looking forward to it I hope it is going to be everything that you know users of the app is expecting people that don't or have and want to go back to it will expect and um, I think it's gonna do good. I'm really waiting. The biggest update of all apps is Snap, though. Like, where is the Snap update? We're looking S Snap's waiting oh, for public yeah. public availability of 10.3. I mean, yeah. passport users, it's not really worth it. But Darius, look, it is passport ready. I see. I see. 
It's really <laughs> with, that, with that floating compose button. I mean, it's, yeah. It's you guys go over to blackberryflow.com, excuse me, berryflow.com, <laughs> and, and James has posted a new article, A Tale of Two Twitter Clients. It's a great article. Pretty much giving you a good description of both of those. And, uh, yeah. It's it's the most biased article you'll ever read. Bias is shit. Bias is crap. Like, <laughs> go go try both of them out. But I'm all black. Like, I, and the fact that it was a legacy app, you know, this is something that I think was on legacy OS and as well, it was on Playbook. And he's he's been here. The app's been part of our community for so long that yeah. I, I love that it's transformation on BlackBerry 10, and I love everything it's it's doing. And it's one of his only main apps that he works on too. It's like right. his main focus. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, that, I guess that's kind of my, like, why, I don't know, why I like, I look, when I went with Twitly, I go with something new and different. I like that sort of, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who thinks difference is a really cool thing. Like, something new and sort of experimental, like what it was with Twitly, was something that kind of drew me in. And now that I, I'm using it, it's, it's good. Like, I've used it since the early alphas, and it was, you know, when I could get the beta zone to work for me, and it worked well. Like, it, it, it's it, nice. It, it, it's, it is nice. I, I gotta say, like it, it, it does what it needs to do, overall. And although it's just a little bit bloated down with some of what it can do, it, it is super feature rich. I mean, it's fucking yeah. gorgeous. And uh, the yeah. little wallpapers that you can put on the back are pretty cool. I wish you could set your own, but we'll get there maybe. That's why. That's why I love that. I love it so much. It's just its customizability is, I don't think matched by any other Twitter client client. Clients. <laughs> I'm about to say that's one thing I do like about Twitter is the customization of the app. Is that's that's pretty neat. I do like that. Black Black will get some more features as well. Uh, he put out a it's, it's linked in the Tale of Two Twitter clients at the very end. Just a link over to the 1.4 change log for Black. What I really love is and what Twitly kind of lacks is that full hub integration. Right now there's a section for Twitly for where you can compose, but notifications come in through the notification section. Yeah. And it's kind of broken, and maybe that'll get fixed. Headless is supposedly in a coming update, but that is supposedly coming. Uh, I just love the refinement with Black. Black was one of those first applications, that third party that was put into the hub that was allowed that access. So he's been messing around, fiddling with, uh, you know, building into the hub and, and the APIs necessary to, I guess, get that access for a while. And it seems pretty refined and pretty real time. I tested against the emails that I get for retweets and you know favorites and things like that, and it usually beats it by a couple seconds before it hits my phone, so I'm pleased with it. I know he's done a lot of you know, back-end server work to make that as good as possible. So if you are a Twitter user for BlackBerry 10, check out both of those apps. Twitly is available now. Black has been in the store. Uh, Twitly is free with in-app purchase of $199, and as well, Black is available for $299 outright to get all the goodies uh, there up front. Anyway, guys, we're going to wrap it up for Upstream 18. This is one of the shortest streams we've had. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the time? We're, we're there about an hour, more or less. Okay. Yeah, normally we're like two hours, and people are like, oh, already. So. <laughs> anyway, guys, I really appreciate having you guys on. I'll sure, certainly hit you up in our BBM group. Take it easy. Have a good one, James. Later.